I, I come to this sermon today really almost in fear because I, and I really have prayed to ask God to help us in this delivery and this sermon. And so I want you to pray with me and believe the Lord with us today as we share this. We, we've been in the book of Mark now for um, all year long, really, and I'm just at the ninth chapter. So, so here it is, a wonderful time to uh, share what Mark is telling us today. In Mark chapter 9, we'll begin with verse 14. I like giving out uh, outlines of the sermon. If you don't have one, please raise your hand, and Brother Steve will make sure you get one. So for all those that do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand, and he will make sure that you get one. We'll have the Scripture on the... uh, on the screen or the TV or whatever you call that monitor. I like to take that as Jesus texting us, so we would like for you not to text while I'm preaching. Hope your phones are off. And if you're sitting next to someone and they're texting, say, just punch it. Don't do that. Just don't. Just don't. But this is texting right here. And this is what the Lord is saying to us. Read with us, if you will, beginning at verse 14 of chapter 9. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Now, this is recorded in Matthew chapter 17. It's also recorded in Luke. And Matthew, or one translation, uses the word, arguing. They were arguing with the disciples. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Now, let me back up just a little bit and tell you what happened right before this particular incident. Most of us know of the transformation of Jesus. Jesus took Peter James and John went up on the mountain, and there he was transfigured. That simply mean, meant he glowed, that he, he lit up and uh, transformed right before them. And he was talking with Elijah and Moses, the prophets, or the patriarchs. It was such a wonderful experience, and then they came, had to come down Peter wanted to stay there. He wanted to build a tabernacle and stay there. And let me say this morning, if you're going through a mountaintop, enjoy it. Most all of us, if not all of us, we have mountaintop experiences. Enjoy it. That's not to say with a negative that, hey, get ready for the valley, but we all have our valleys. And so when they came down in to the valley, this is what happened to them immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him, and he asked the scribes, "What are you discussing with them?" Then one of the crowd answered and said, "Teacher, I brought you my son, who was, who has a mute spirit." Now this is a, a powerful text. 
it, it, it shows us, I believe, a lot where we are as a society and as a church today. Here, this translation says, he has a mute spirit. One translation, it's the book of, of Matthew, said he is a lunatic, a lunatic. Luna? Luna? He was saying he was moonstruck. This is what the translation says. He was moonstruck. They thought that he was moonstruck because this uh, activity occurred other times, but mainly during the change and the full moon. Now, Finest Dake says it happened during that time simply because the devil, the demonic activity, wanted the people to think that this happened because of the moon. And at the full moon, a lot of things happen. You know that, don't you? But this was not the moon whatsoever. This was a de- demon or demons that caused this young man, and he was a teenager, by the way, to act as he did. He was moon struck or he had a mute spirit, and wherever wherever it seizes him, notice what happens. It throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But what? They couldn't do it. They could not. Now, they were coming down from the mountain where Jesus is transformed, where there's peace and tranquility, and all of a sudden, they go into action, and this is what happens. This young man is thrown into the fire. He's thrown into the water, and the devil that possesses him are we, can, do we need to change mics because uh, it can, keeps popping? I, I might need to get a handheld mic or something. I don't like the popping. Uh, by the way, uh, our other, my other mic like this and malfunction, and we sent it off. And so uh, Brother Chris has worked so hard, very hard, to make sure this didn't happen. And so it's not his fault. It's just because we've, I've got an old mic on. And so, so we, we, we find that he is... Is, is in this condition. That scares me, <laughs> that, that lapel mic. But we'll, we'll see what happens here. I'll, yeah, I'll put it in the pocket. You'll turn this one off, I'm assuming. Commercial time. Now don't get up and go get your Pepsi. Two. Testing one, two. Okay, let's see how this one works. If this one don't work, I'll get the SM58. That always works. It's a handheld mic that you use. And they, and they could not. He answered him and said, he's talking to the Father, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him, the, the boy, to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground 
and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Can you imagine this scene? All this going on after they were up on the mountain, but here we find it's a whole different story. So he asked the father, how long has he been, this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief. How many of us have felt that way at times? I believe, but Lord, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You know, I, I, I know a little bit the way this father feels with what my son's been through and what Carol and I have been through with my son, but I'm here to tell you the devil is out not only to destroy your son and your daughters and your children and your grandchildren, he's out to destroy everyone in your family and my family that he can. And we need to understand that. And we need to know how to deal with it. But it throws him into the fire. It throws him into the water. And Jesus says, uh, saw the people come running. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Why do you think he said that? Why do you think he said Come out, but don't go back in him. Because there's a possibility when a person is delivered, that spirit to go back into that individual. Interesting. Interesting. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come, and here we go, when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Thomas Aquinas, Roman Catholic scholar who lived between 1225 and 1274, he was a brilliant thinker who left an indelible imprint on the fabric of his time. He visited the Vatican. The Pope said, was to have said, he looked at Thomas and said, Behold, Master Thomas, the church can no longer say as St. Peter, silver and gold have I none. My, my, My wife and I have been there. It is an amazing, amazing place. The architect that's there, the, 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 the money that is involved in that operation, billions and billions of dollars. And even back then, the Pope has said, we can no longer say like St. Peter, silver and gold have I none. Aquinas, Aquinas rather, was quick to reply, alas, neither can we say what follows, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So the church is rich. As Brother Larry was talking about, we have plenty. If you don't think so, you go to other countries and you'll find out we are truly a blessed country, a blessed people, a blessed community. I want to read a little bit more. Bear with me. 
Thomas Aquinas understood a truth that many people never uh, grasp. The real measure of success for a church or a ministry is not how fine its buildings are, amen, how large its offerings are, amen, and how great its crowds are. He went on to, this goes on to say, the real measure of success for a church or a ministry is in whether or not it operates in the power of God. We are living in the day of ministerial success. Every church wants to be the largest, the richest, the most influential, and on and on and on. Success is measured these days in millions of dollars, tens of thousands of attendees, and in worldwide fame and attention. The sad truth is this. God has very different standard, a very different standard for determining what constitutes a successful ministry. And in this passage that we've read into your hearing, Mark gives us the answer of what a successful ministry is. Father, Lord, I thank you for the truth that is is, is in this scripture. I thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us today to take a glimpse. Give us a magnifying glass that we might look intently at what you're saying to us today. Lord, as you speak to us, may it be beyond man speaking, but may, dear God, you speak to our hearts, challenge us today, and may, dear Father, when we leave this church, we can truly say it was well to have been in the house of the Lord. Look at your notes. Failure is never fun, and defeat is seldom something we take delight in. It can be painful, it can be embarrassing, and it can be humiliating. And our response can be life-changing, altering our destiny. Failure can make us bitter, or it may make us better. We can take it as instructive and corrective and learn from it. Now, I want you to notice something. These nine men, they were here with this father and son. And he was doing all kind of things. And they were trying to cast this devil or demons out of this young man. It had caused such an emotion until, or commotion until all the people were gathered around. There were a number of people gathered around. There were the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the dad, and maybe some of the relatives. Everyone were gathered around, and they were doing their best, it seems, to cast out this, this, this demon, and they could not do it. And Jesus comes on the scene. Can you imagine how they felt? Have you ever failed? Sure. We all have failed. Can you imagine how they felt? What should Jesus say to them? What should be our reaction? Listen, we all fail, and we all need encouragement when we fail. We all need to be lifted up. But I can look at these disciples, and I can see them or in my mind think, hey, Jesus is here. Now he's going to talk nice to us, I can feel a, a, a comforting message coming on. 
Because we want you to come in. We don't want you to feel bad. We want you to feel good. We want to say nice things. We don't want to preach down to you. We don't want to say anything negative to you because we want you to be happy and we want you to feel good. And so, what's Jesus going to do? He says, oh, generation, how long? Jesus expressed more disgust in this text of any, it looks like, that I can see in the four Gospels. How long am I going to put up with you? Now, somebody says he was not talking, he was not talking to the disciples. I believe he was talking not only, I believe he was talking to the Father. I believe he was talking to those people that were there, the scribes, the crowd that was there. But I also believe that Jesus was talking, if you look at verse 20, further down, Jesus was talking to those disciples. Because several times he had looked at those men and he said, Oh, unbelieving generation. Oh, believing people. He didn't stroke them. He didn't say, come in, we'll serve you coffee as you come in. He didn't say, we're not going to use bad or or hard or, or words that are going to offend you. He said, why, unbelievers, do you continue to show unbelief and doubt? Notice, if you will, what I list here as a modern church. Look at your notes. And please, I don't want to preach this message down to anyone, and I I don't want you to feel that way. Because I'm here really to lift you up and to encourage you. But I want you to notice some of the characteristics of the modern church today. First of all, lost people come into our church, and there is little or no conviction. Second of all, often the people in the pews are not so different from the lost people in the world. Ouch. Thirdly, church members give little attention to prayer, daily worship, devotion, and personal holiness. I should get at least one amen with with all of these. As a result, when we gather for our meetings, there are often lifeless, powerless, and lacking in the, they are, in the manifest presence of God. I'm talking about the modern, typical church today. Lost people come into our churches and see no difference between us and them. The church today is doing everything in its power to make itself more attractive. Notice some things. We lower our standards, water down our sermons, adopt a more modern style of music, and do all we can to make the church attractive to the lost. I could say, ouch. In the meantime, the world laughs at our powerlessness. They were gathered outside, the scribes, they were all around these nine men. Can you imagine how they felt? They were failing, they couldn't cast the devil out. He was still acting up. And they were questioning And the world today questions the church with its powerlessness. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people go to church after church after church, and maybe even Bethel, and they leave the same way as they 
were when they got there. Their lives are not changed. If they're living together without being married, they still live together without being married. Did I? Is this? Is it on? And I could I could say a lot of things that the church congregation. I'm talking about Pentecostals, charismatic, holiness people. And I'm not saying that they're any better than anyone else, but people go to church, they, quote, serve God, they sing in the choir, they pay their tithe, they do all the good things, and that's wonderful, and that is great, but we still live the life of an unbeliever. God help us today. Churches today, I wept this morning as I began to think about churches. You see, my whole life has been wrapped up in churches. From nine years old to now, I've been to church all my life. And I love church. I believe the local church is the answer for needs today. I believe the local church needs prayer. I believe the local church should be supported, prayed for, and attended. It's the local church. Last week, week before last, I drove by two churches, two churches that were closed. That's just in this city. Churches that were thriving, churches, I mean, I saw two churches closed in one week. Not only when they closed, did you know they say, statistics say, that in seven years that there were, there's going to be 55,000 churches that close? Churches are closing by the thousands. And I, I cried this morning because we need churches alive and thriving. But we've introduced programs. We've changed so much until the power of God is taken. It's wings and, 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 you know, people come in and we have all kind of answers, but it's not the right answers. Suppose someone comes in sick, we send them to the doctor. I'm not against that. Suppose someone comes in possessed of the devil, we send, send them to a psychiatrist. Oh, I, I, I'm just telling you, this, this has bore on my heart. And I believe that God wants the church to take a stand and have the power of God. Not just preach about it, not just talk about it, not just sing about it, but really and truly, we need the power of God to flow in this church. Amen? I want God's Holy Spirit to be present. I want to see people that are that, that, that they're bound with drugs and alcohol and immorality and sin. That families are having problems. Marriages are, are, are on the, are the rocks. And, and here comes along the power of God to change those lives. It won't be done any other way. Great preaching's not going to do it. Great singing is not going to do it. It's going to take the anointing and the power of God. Of God. Notice number two, why we often lack God's power. It is because of unbelief. 
because of the lack of faith. Look at verse 19. He answered him and said, O faithless, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? Notice, notice what Jesus is doing. How long shall I bear with you? Oh, he was so concerned. Matthew 17 and 20, it says, he, and this is the Amplified, he answered, same, same text, he answered, because of your little faith, your lack of trust, and your confidence in the power of God. That's where our faith should be. Not in some building, not in some preacher, not in some program. It's our faith should be in the power of God. And that should be our prayer in the, in the prayer room. That should be our prayer on Saturday night. That should be our prayer during the week. God, may your power be present in our midst. The power of God, because of your unbelief, because of your little faith. Number two, the disciples were not calling on God for or seeking God's help in this situation. Did you know, listen to this, did you know that they were given power to cast out demons? Look at, uh, look at uh, Matthew 10 and 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. That didn't stop with the early church. That didn't stop with the 12 disciples or the 70. That's for us today. God's given us power. He's given you power, not just a pastor. He's given us power. But we're not going to have we're not going to have the power of God, and we're not going to have the answer that the world needs unless we do certain things. We'll get to that. Mark three fourteen and fifteen. Then he appointed twelve, and they that they might be with him, and that they might send that he might send them out to preach and to have what power to heal sicknesses and to cast out what. Now I know demons scare people. They don't want to talk about demons, the church, the world. Don't want to talk about, if someone's acting like this man acts, don't say anything about demonic activity. Notice again, as it says, they were relying on their own strength and their own ability. When Jesus got alone with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out this demon? He said, understand something. Well, let's notice what he says. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast out? So he said to them, this kind can come out only, but nothing, but by what? But by what? Prayer, 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 prayer. You know, on Wednesday night, do you know what we used to call Wednesday night? Prayer meeting. Prayer meetings. They're not called prayer meetings anymore. We elevated it. Bible study. Nothing wrong with Bible study. When I was growing up and I was a kid and a teenager and I grew up in church, let's go to prayer meeting. It was on Wednesday night. You know why they call it prayer meeting? Because we prayed. And we prayed and we prayed and we had the power of God and we saw the manifestation of the power of God, deliverance and healing, people divinely healed, 
people divinely delivered from demonic activity? It happened because people, because people, because people prayed. But he said this kind cometh out only by prayer and fasting. Now, if you've got the if you've got the uh, King, New King James Version, the King James Version, it, version, it says fast, uh, prayer and fasting. If you are reading from the NIV, the New International Version, it, does, it leaves off ver, uh, fasting. And the reason is, is because some of the original translations, they had fasting. Some of them, the original ones, did not. I'd rather think that God is saying to us, we need to fast and we need to pray. Fasting is very, I believe, important when it comes to the power of God. Indulgence of the body enfeebles the soul. What does fasting do? It helps us to be humble. It, 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 rids, it helps to get rid of the flesh. I mean, you know we need to get rid of the flesh. We need the Spirit of God. We need the power of God. We need the presence of God. We need God's Holy Spirit. Look at number three, the connection between faith and prayer. This is how to experience, listen to me, this is how to experience the power of God. This is the reason that we don't see the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God. Number one, prayer and faith go hand in hand. Jesus, the Son of God, often stopped and prayed. When one has a weak prayer life, one will find that he also has weak faith. It's, it's called, this is, this is called prayerlessness. If you want to have a concert with some important name, you'll fill up the church or people will come. If you want to serve food, people will come. If you want to have a great preacher to preach a great message, they will come. If you call for people to pray, it's a whole different story. And that's what the church needs today. It needs to pray. Jesus makes an unquestionable connection between a lack of prayer and a lack of faith. Prayer speaks of communing with the Lord. Have I stopped this week and really prayed and really communed with the Lord? Fasting speaks of a lifestyle of total submission and surrender to the Lord. Now, I know this is, this is old-fashioned. We don't, we don't do that anymore, Pastor. But I think, it's, I think it must happen if we're to operate and function with the power of God. Number four, the connection between faith and God's Word. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of the Lord. The reason these disciples were casting out devils before this particular instance is because they stood on God's word. Jesus said, I give you power. And Jesus is saying that to this modern church today, to you and I today. Every person that is spirit-filled, he's saying, I've given you power to cast out devils. Stand on his word. Pray. Get in tune with God. Commune with God. Fast some. Push that plate back and say, I'm not going to allow the flesh and food to control my life. Prior to this, Jesus, and I already said that, had given his disciples. Prior to this, they had successfully cast out demons. Look at what it says. 
And they, Mark 6, 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil and many who were sick and healed them. So they cast out demons, healed the sick. They'd already done that. But here they said, hey, ha, we can do it now ourselves. But they failed for the lack of trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. May we place our faith in Jesus and be persistent in prayer. Be persistent. The Bible says it, and I love both translations of First Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, pray without ceasing. Notice what the Amplified says. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Donnie Sumner. Donnie Sumner was J.D. Sumner's nephew. J.D. Sumner was a Southern Gospel bass singer. He sung with the Blackwood Brothers for years. And then he formed what was called the Stamps Quartet. And for years, they sung. When Elvis came along, uh, first, the first group that backed Elvis up that sang with him was the Jordanaires. He had them singing with him. The second group that he had singing with them were the Imperials Quartet. But then he had, when he was a kid, Elvis, he visited when the Statesman and the Blackwood Brothers sung. And so Elvis, as a kid, grew up knowing J.D. Sumner, grew up imitating Jake Hess, which sung for the Statesman Quartet. So when J.D. Sumner formed the Stamps Quartet, they started being the backup singers for Elvis Presley. Some of his greatest concerts that he had when he was at his height, there was J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet. Donnie Sumner sung with the Stamps Quartet. Donnie Sumner got his, Sumner got his eyes on the world. He was there in Las Vegas. And so he formed his own group. And they went from bad to worse. Donnie was a great singer, nice-looking young man. And so he began to take drugs. He wound up seven years a drug addict. He lost everything. He lost his family. He lost everything he had. He was on a $200 a day cocaine habit. $200 a day. He took angel's dust all kind of other drugs. He overdosed twice trying to kill himself because he was so miserable. And he found himself 28 stories high in the city of Las Vegas. And he was about to end his life. He was going to jump off because he'd taken all he could take. He was absolutely miserable. But you got to factor in something. His daddy was a preacher. 
And when Donnie got away from the Lord and he backslid it, he got into the drug culture and one thing after the other, his dad began to pray for him. And he said, Father, if you'll save my son, you see, it doesn't matter what it might be, the devil's going to try to take your children. He's going to try to take your family. He's going to try to take your life. He's going to try to destroy your grandchildren. And it's up to us to stand in the gap and hold up the hedge. But Donnie's dad promised God. He said, Lord, if you'll bring my son back, I'll eat one meal a day. Eat one meal a day. And I'll pray two hours every day. Well, that's something. Eat one meal a day and pray two hours every day. I'll fast two meals a day. The first year, nothing happened. The second year, he's still fasting and he's still praying. Nothing happens. The third, the fourth, the fifth, nothing happens. He's still in the drug scene. The sixth, the seventh year, the eighth year, nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, that that morning, Saturday before Labor Day, Donnie Sumner stepped to the edge to take his own life, to jump off of a 28-story building. But something got a hold of him. And don't tell me when the church prays, something won't happen. It might not happen today. It might happen next year. It might not happen. But the ninth year, the ninth year, and he's been fasting two meals a day, praying two hours a day. And when Donnie Sumner goes to step off of that building, God Almighty, the presence, the power of God I'm talking about this morning that the church needs. When my son was born, we prayed over him. He got into the drug scene and the alcohol. But God began to turn him around and change him. Last February, there was a demon, demonic activity. You say, what makes you think that? Let me tell you what, demons are real. I'm not saying you should fear them. I'm not saying you should tremble at them in any measure because God's power is over demonic power. Besides, they can't cross the bloodline. But there was demon activity that Saturday morning, last February. It scooped down over that area. My son was afflicted with an aneurysm. Nothing, had no high blood pressure, nothing in his body said that he was going to have an aneurysm. He had four strokes. 50% of the people never make it to the hospital. Many of them died that had what Neil did. 
we were called and we rushed to Rex Hospital. They could not get my son to the door in the emergency door. They had to park way down the street because there were five other ambulances with the same thing in those ambulances. Six people had had aneurysm that morning. They could not even get him to the door. They had to unload him down the street, roll him into the emergency room at Rex Hospital. I believe the devil will attack you. I believe that Satan... Listen, I'm not saying everyone that has, <clears throat> that has a mental problem has a demon. I'm not saying everyone that has epilepsy and that foams at the mouth and all those kinds has a demon. But I believe much of what happens today is instigated certainly by Satan and by demonic activity. A little lady, black lady, came in our room as we waited at Rex. And she said, let's pray. And she began to pray because we thought it was his heart, or we thought it was a heart problem because his heart was acting up. She goes out when she finishes praying. She prayed the prayer of faith. Mama prayed the prayer of faith. She left. It wasn't long before she came back in and she said, I found out we prayed for the wrong thing. It's his head, not his heart. She said, let's pray again. And that lady began to see, oh, God. Let me tell you. He said, I don't like all of that stuff. You don't care when you get in trouble. Let them holler. She began to cry out to God and you could feel the presence of God in that room. Make a long story short, my son this past week got out. He watched his son play football out on the field. Hallelujah. Oh, I would he was instantly healed, but he's not been instantly healed, but I'll take anything you give me. He's talking some. He's walking some. And he used the bathroom for, correctly for the first time since February. You say, don't say that. That's big. Yeah. There was demonic activity. There's de- demonic activity around you every day. Again, that's not for you to fear. You can go to bed and sleep like a child, sleep like a baby, because God's almighty hand is upon you. But I'm here to tell you, there's a world out there that's being controlled by the devil. And they're doing like the scribes and that crowd that was around those nine. All they're doing is talking. You want to hear talking? You want to hear this right here? Cut on your television. What's that ladies group that gets together on television and talks? All they do is talk. What? The view, you think they're praying? You think they're talking scripture? All they're doing is doing what that crowd did around the nine. All they're doing is this right here. means nothing. You turn on Fox, all they're doing is this right here. 
That's what the world's doing. Congress, all it's doing is this right here. The president, all he's doing is this right here. Our political leaders, don't you get mad at me. The president, the Congress, Democrats, Republicans, the independents, they don't have the answer. Dead churches, they don't have the answer, but God Almighty has the answer for deliverance if you'll trust Him. So the thing. And when the church loses the power of God, it's not a, it's, it's ineffective. We might as well write Ichabod over the door and walk out. We might as well go join a club. But Brother Morris, we need the power of God. And we need to call on God until it falls. You said those people, those disciples couldn't cast out the I'm trying to hush. I know my time's gone. Those, devil, those disciples couldn't cast out the devil. Follow them after Pentecost. Jesus said, you go down to Jerusalem and you tarry there and you tarry there. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And after a while, the Holy Ghost fell and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And they walked out of there casting out devils and seeing people delivered and seeing them set free. It won't happen until the church begins to pray again. I told you I came into this sermon trembling. I'm not too sure the pastor is passionate as I once was. God help us. How many of you want the power of God in your life? I do. It's going to take some praying, folks. The flesh don't want to pray. Oh, we'll bow our heads and say, now lay me down to sleep or God bless this food and that's great. But that won't get it. It's going to take some intercessory prayer. It's going to take time before God. It'll happen. I want you to pray this week. And I'm going to be specific here. Our youth pastor, Michael, his mother, his mother has cancer. and She's battled cancer now, what, two years? They've recently found it's, it's in the brain. They've recently found some more cancer cells. She's a beautiful person. And I'm not saying if you're young or old, we should not have cancer either way. I know about cancer. I've been through it three times. But I'm still healthy and good looking and all those things. Did you know? No, God's been good to me. I want to ask you to do something this week. Spend extra time in prayer. Push back your plate. And pray for Michael's mom. Her name is, and I'm sorry, Pam. I want you to push your plate back. Maybe one meal, maybe one day. Push that plate back. And say, God... Heal Pam. Pray in faith. Pray, believe in God. I'm believing God that God's going to move in this church and pour out His Spirit, and people are going to be delivered and set free.
Let this be a place where people can come and come to this altar and leave different than what they came. I got to hush. Father, I love you today. I praise you today. I thank you, Lord, for this challenge that you've placed upon my heart. God, help us not to succumb to the temptation to be at ease in Zion, to be complacent. Lord, it's not time to run up the white flag of surrender and give up and give in. Help me to love you and love prayer and fasting and church more than I love anything else. My children, my grandchildren, food, entertainment, pleasure, materialism. God, help us. Convict me, Lord. Convict us, Lord.